Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Uh, let's recite our mission statement. You know it. It's to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And so when we come to this place on Sunday mornings or on Wednesday nights or Thursday mornings where we're worshiping, this is the target, where we come into this place of worship and intimacy with Him. And so I so appreciate you guys pressing into that place. And let's recite our vision. It's to become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. And so as we come into this relationship with Him, our hearts are changed, our lives are changed. And God works through our lives, through these cracked vessels of clay, to touch and change a lost and dying world. So, anyway, I'm so glad to see you all here this morning. Is everybody doing okay? Ready for some cooler weather? <laughs> Ready for the, the rain to cease for a while, now that our yards are watered? Well, good. Well, it's so good to have you here. Uh, last week, I began this new series, Heroes, and... Uh, I talked about Paul, I talked about the life of Paul, Paul being called and then being sent. And so I want to sort of uh, continue along that theme this morning as we talk about a different hero in the Bible. But heroes in the Bible were, were men and women that yielded to God. And, and they had a, uh, an opportunity for God to work in their hearts and lives. And we see the heroes in the, in the Bible uh, did tremendous feats because the Lord was with them and the Lord was guiding them. These men and women were willing, they were making the choice to walk in faith, to be courageous, to demonstrate great courage and, and trust in the Lord and allow Him to lead them and guide them. And I think God is looking for some heroes today that are willing to do the same thing, that are willing to trust Him and to walk in faith and walk in great courage and live this abundant life that Jesus came to give. And so the Christian life is a journey of us yielding our hearts and lives to the Lord, living a life of faith and courage, trust and obedience. And when we do that, God does amazing things through our lives. He does One, He does amazing things in our lives, and then He does amazing things through our lives. This morning I want to be talking about a hero, Gideon. Now, we know that, that Moses uh, was instructing the Israelites before they went into the promised land, when they were, when they were released from the bondage of Egypt, he, he was reminding them time and time again to stay connected to the Lord. To not, he, he was telling them also not to intermarry with these other tribes. Now, these other tribes were part, uh, they were uh, descendants of Abraham, just like the Israelites were. But he's saying, don't intermarry with these other tribes. Why? Not because, because of any other reason, really, than they were worshiping other gods, pagan gods and idols. And, he, and Moses told them time and time and time again, he said, be careful. Because if you marry and intermarry with these other tribes, even though they're descendants, you'll get sucked into this trap of worshiping their pagan gods and their idols, and it's going to have an impact in your relationship with me. And so, a spoiler alert here, but we see that happening time and time and time again with Israel, where they continued to disobey. But before we get too judgmental of them, let's look in the mirror. 
Do we have any idols? Do we place things above God? Is money our God or material things our God? Are we spending time with him? Are we pushing? Is God secondary or tertiary in our lives instead of being first? And so time after time, we see that the children of Israel uh, turn their back on God and chase these other pagan gods and idols. So let's go to Judges chapter 6. I've got a lot of scripture to read here today, so stay with me. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Again, they, were, they, had, they go through these cycles where they would obey and, and, and then they would turn aside from God and they would go into captivity and be caught in bondage and then they would cry out and God would deliver them. And so that's what was happening here again. So the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So these guys were marauders, they were terrorists, they, were, they would come through and they would rape and pillage the land, and probably that's not all that they were taking advantage of, but they were taking anything that they wanted, stripping it bare, and leaving the Israelites in, uh, in great need. And, well, let me just read on. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. So that's the situation. They get to a desperate place, and then they, call, they cry out to God, God, we need some help now. I'm in a jam now. I didn't need you back then because everything was great. Everything was fine. I had a job. My health was good. My family was good. My marriage was good. All these things were good. Do you know Christians like that, or do you know people like that? They're good. Oh, oh, God, I'm good. I got this now. And then they get into a jam, and then it's like, oh, God, I need some help. We don't have to wait till we get into a desperate situation because we can have his presence walking with us, navigating through life to help us avoid some of those pitfalls if we were connected with him that we wouldn't experience if we turn our back and walk away from him. Now, I, I've, have you ever read some of the scriptures and you read and you say, gosh, this seems really harsh because the Lord is telling his people to go and destroy these people. Kill them. And you're going, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I thought, wow, that seems a little harsh. But what I want to do is I want to talk about something that I, I, I taught on about a month ago, August 25th. If you missed that message, I talked about obedience. You can go back and, and, and watch that, that message online. But I want to go back and, and talk a little bit about this because what I was teaching on back then was 100 years in advance from where we're talking about right now. So we see the Israelites being attacked and being having their land stripped and everything taken. Let's fast forward about 100 years, okay? So, um, it, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 15. One day Samuel said to Saul, Samuel was the prophet, Saul was the king, and so the prophet goes to the king and says, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. 
This is what the Lord of Heaven's army has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. So 350 years before this, 250 years before what we're talking about here in Judges, where the Midianites and Amalekites were coming through and and robbing from the, the Israelites, 350, 400 years before this, when the Israelites were coming into the promised land, they were attacked by the Amalekites. And so God is saying, 350 years later, he's saying, I'm, I'm, it's time to settle the accounts with um, uh, the Alam, uh, Amalekites, all right? So uh, he goes on to say, now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Completely destroy these raiders and these thieves, including their possessions. And we know, you can go back, I'm not going to teach on this again, but you can go back and listen to that message, and we know that Saul disobeyed, and there were consequences for that. So let's go back now. Let's back up 100 years to what's going on in Judges, okay? So these enemy hordes coming with their uh, livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites called out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, The Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. So do you remember that? 400 years ago, I brought you up out of slavery. The Amalekites were attacking you then. Okay? He says, he goes on to say, I rescued from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. And the word says that the Lord promised them. He said, I'll give you vineyards you didn't plant. I'll give you houses you didn't build. I'm going to bless you when you go into the promised land if you obey. Remember Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. Moses is is almost pleading with the children of Israel before they go into the promised land. He says, listen, I want you to live this abundant, blessed life that God has for you, but there are three things that you need to do. You need to love God, you need to obey God, and you need to commit firmly to God. And so what we see is when they deviated from those things, they got into trouble. There were challenges, and they had all these issues. But Moses made it very clear, be blessed. I want you to walk in the blessings of God, not the curses, the anti-blessings of God. I want you to live a life abundant, not death. And so Moses is telling them time and time again, and you can go back and read in Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, Moses contrasts the blessings with the curses. And he says, if you will do these things, these are the blessings that you will have. If you don't do these things, these are the consequences of what's going to happen. And the consequences were about two or three times longer than the list of blessings. And, and so Moses says, walk in the blessings. Please stay connected to God. Stay focused on him. Stay with him. Don't turn away. Don't whore after these other gods and pagan gods and idols. Don't do these things because it's going to have an impact on you and your children and the whole nation of Israel. So He's saying here, I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live now. But you have not listened to me. You have not listened to me. 
Let's read verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizner. Abizer. Abizer. Okay. Abizer. 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 Okay. All right. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So they were having to hide to, to even thresh the grain. He was down in a wine press, which was not optimal for threshing grain or wheat. Because, you know, they, you have to crack the outer shell of the wheat, the chaff, and, and what they would do is they'd kind of throw it up and the wind would blow the chaff away. Well, now he's down like in a, a wine press, and so you don't get that air to, you know, to remove the chaff. They're trying to survive. He's down in this pit. He's trying to survive. And listen to what the angel says. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Mighty hero, what are you talking about? I'm down here, you know, trying to barely survive, and, and you're calling me a mighty hero? What we see in our lives and what we see in the lives of others are not often the proper perspective. Because the angel of the Lord is calling him a mighty hero. He hasn't even done anything. He's just trying to survive. But here's the point. When we just do the, the things that God has called us to do and are faithful in those things, it's up to him to elevate us and promote us and do what he wants to do. But he's looking for people that love God, obey God, and commit to him. Are you committed to him or is it just when it's convenient? You guys are really quiet this morning. All right. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. The angel calls, calls him a hero. Even before he's had any kind of great victory. And so that's why it's important that we need to know the word of God. That's why it's important for us to believe the word of God. That's why it's important for us to have the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us so that when things don't look right and the Lord is saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is the job I want you to pursue. This is the building that I want you to pursue. This is what I want you to do. I feel a rap coming on. Come on, y'all. But that's why it's important to know the Word of God and to have this relationship with Him so that we know that we're being led by the Holy Spirit, not by our emotions. Because our emotions can trick us. They can lie to us. You know that's true. Husbands and wives, look at me right now. Okay. So our emotions can, can cause us to, to have great issues. So my first point this morning, it's God's power working through someone's life that makes them a godly hero. So as we yield to him, as we obey him in the mundane things, Gideon's just trying to survive. He's just down here doing these menial tasks. And the angel of the Lord is coming to him and saying, hey, I have something for you. And do you remember last week I talked about Paul being called, but it was a long time before he got sent. He was in this preparation process that God was doing in his heart and life. He was giving him all this information about the, the Word of God, the, the Old Testament, the law, religious, uh, all the religious law and all that. But then God 
Jesus had an encounter with Paul and changed his life, and then everything came together. So all this stuff that God had been doing in Paul's life for all these years, preparing him, now he gets him to a place where he has an encounter with Jesus. Oh, and his life has changed then. And then he begins to step into this destiny that God had for him all along. So the, the angel is saying, mighty hero. Look at your neighbor and say, mighty hero. Mighty hero through Jesus. Mighty hero through Jesus. So we are mighty in the Lord when we're following his, his desires and commands. Okay, let's look at verse 13. Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. So they knew what had happened hundreds of years before when they had been set free from captivity from Egypt. And, and they, they had this history. And so Gideon is saying, what's going on here? Why, you know, why is this happening to us? The Lord sent his word through the prophet. He's already answered this. What did he tell them? Let's go back to verse 7. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites, and he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Yes, I did that. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live now, but you have not listened to me. The children of Israel had been warned many, many times. Have you ever continued just to run into a wall? You know, and like after the 15th time you say, you know, this is really kind of stupid. I should recognize this wall. I see it coming. Bam, bam, bam. And so the children of Israel continued to to fall and, and do these things. And so there are always consequences for disobedience. God is not looking to get you. But a lot of our problems are because we just don't obey what the Lord tells us to do. Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why, have, why has all these things happened to us? And where are the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? I think he's kind of crying about something here. Bam, bam, bam. I'm, I'm spanking you. Why are you spanking me? Because I told you not to eat two pounds of jelly beans before dinner. Well, I, my stomach is upset, yeah. And you're spanking me too. Yes. Why am I spanking you? Because you disobeyed. Not because, uh, because well, it's because you made that decision, right? So if a child comes, uh, does something disobedient, there are consequences. And you're not spanking them because you're a mean dad or, or mom, but because you told them to obey and they disobeyed. So the consequences fall on them for their disobedience. And, and so I, I feel like, you know, Gideon's kind of saying, well, why are you upset, God? Well, you already know why. Because you guys have disobeyed. That's why. The Lord is not looking to get us. He's, what I find is that there is tremendous, abundant grace in my life. Do you know how many times I should have been spanked? 
You know how many times I don't remember driving home, but I got home safely? All the times that God has spared me probably when I, you know, was out there on a limb. And so what, what we find is God's grace is probably greater than what we realize. But there are consequences when we choose to continually disobey. The Lord will not be guilted or manipulated. He does not need to justify or debate. The Lord tells Gideon what to do next. But he's already told him, these are the consequences for what you guys have done. But I love this. The, the angel of the Lord doesn't debate with Gideon. He doesn't explain anything. He's already told him this is the reason why. So then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. A couple of things I want to highlight here. Go with the strength you have right now. Go with where you are now. Go when God is calling us to go. Again, we're kind of talking about being called and, and being sent, going. Do you have this relationship with the Lord now that you could go if he sent you to a third world country? Do you, are, you, are you equipped and prepared? I hope you are to share the, the, the truth of God when you have a coworker that says, hey man, I'm, I'm having a really tough time right now and uh, I had a relationship with the Lord at one point in time, but I've walked away. What do I do? Are you ready? Are you trained? Are you equipped? And so he's telling him to go in the strength you have. In today's strength, right now, I'm not going to give you some kind of supernatural strength right now. You just need to obey. You need to go. And then the other important part of this is, is he says, I'm sending you. I'm not asking you to go out and do this on your own. I am sending you. So let's look at verse 15. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Do you ever have excuses? <laughs> my clan is the weakest. This Greek word means for weakest means low, weak, poor, thin. He's saying, my, my clan is is the weakest in all of Manasseh. And then he says, and in, my, and in my family, okay, so you've got Manasseh, you have this clan, and then you have his family. And he says, in my family, I, I'm, I'm the least. And this Greek word means little, insignificant, young. So Gideon has all the excuses. He says, man, look, I'm just little. I'm just weak. I'm insignificant. And my clan is the weakest. Why don't you send somebody else? <laughs> Well, God had a purpose and plan. And so let me just tell you, God has a purpose and plan for you. And you may think, well, I'm the weakest. Do you know, do you know what I've done, Lord? Do you know what I did before I came to you? Do you know the stuff that I did, the stuff in my heart and in my life, the things that I did? And God says, I'm changing you. I've changed you. And what you were back then is no longer what you are now. I see you as a hero. Not a zero, but a hero. And so we need to understand that, that God loves us and his grace and forgiveness is, is complete. But we also need to understand that he calls us to obey. 
If you, if you step out in front of an 18-wheeler going 80 miles an hour, you're going to get splattered. If you eat two pounds of jelly beans, you're probably not going to feel very good. <laughs> so, it's not possible in his own strength. He was not being called to do this on his own. The Lord is saying, I will go with you. I'm not expecting you to do this on your own. So my first point was, it's God's power working through someone's life that makes them a godly hero. And my second point this morning is, when God sends, he empowers. When we try to, have you ever tried to step out on your own? Or have you ever uh, been praying about a situation? I know that I was praying about a job one time and I really wanted that job and I anointed that resume with oil and I didn't really pray about it and I got that job and it was a job from hell. And I was like, God, get me out of this mess. I hate this job. It's like the Lord's saying, well, why didn't you ask me about this? (laughs) So we get ourselves into these jams when we try to step out and do things on our own. So... I I do appreciate Gideon's authenticity, though. I mean, because before I judge him, if I put myself in that situation, I'd probably be doing the same thing. But he's saying, really, God? I'm insecure. I'm weak. Are you talking to the right person here? But the Lord's going to prove himself. Let's look at verse 16. Then the Lord said to him, I will be with you. And uh, the Lord is letting Gideon know, listen, he's trying to instill in him that he's going to be with him. I remember a number of years ago, uh, the first house I bought, I was a, I was a bachelor. It was a two-bedroom, one-bath house. It was, it was so awesome, man. Uh, it, I had speakers hanging from the ceiling, MTV jamming through the TV, you know, through the speakers. I had this... Uh, floral print sofa and uh, it had like palm leaves and then I had a palm tree over here a palm plant it was awesome man I had my drums over here in the dining area it was the most awesome house I mean I had a, a red phone in my bedroom I had an orange phone hanging on the wall in the kitchen I mean <laughs> we were jamming okay I digress sorry okay so anyway a number of years ago, I have this dream. It was all, have you ever had one of those dreams? It's almost like a vision. I mean, it's so, it's so real. It, it seems like it's more than a dream, but I think I was asleep, so it was probably a dream. But I had this dream that I was walking down my driveway at this house, this awesome house, probably had some music playing in the background there. In the, in the, uh, and, but I look out, and there's this woman coming down the street, and there's this element of fear that kind of raises, rises within me because I realize that this woman uh, is powerful. She is operating not by the Spirit of God, but by demonic spirits, and that she is evil. And what I'm realizing is there's a confrontation coming. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm a Christian, but this woman is powerful. And so I'm kind of, you know, in my dream, I'm standing there. I'm kind of thinking, okay, what am I going to do? In my front yard, we have these trees. And they're, it's an older house, so these trees are pretty mature. And these trees are probably 20 or 25 feet tall. And so as I am looking at this woman coming down the street toward me, it's like the Lord peeled back my eyes to see something. 
And all of a sudden, I see these angels, two of them, one on either side of me, and they're like as tall as these trees. My perspective changed. Because now I know that the Lord is with me. I'm not going to confront this woman or this, this woman confront me without any power. I'm like, come on, boys, let's go. Oh, you, you go ahead and go ahead of me. That, that's fine. <laughs> but my perspective changed when I understood that the Lord was with me. And so when we understand, even our, in our daily life, the Lord is with us, we don't have to be fearful. If we're in obedience and doing what he's asked us to do, and I'm not talking about dotting every, T and cross, uh, dotting every I and crossing every T. I'm not talking about living a performance-based life where we, we try to be perfect, because we can't be. We all, we all make mistakes. But I'm talking about generally obeying and doing what the Lord is asking us to do. Then we have this, this power and this anointing on us to go and accomplish all the things that he's called us to do. So the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. So um, I'm not going to read all of this. You can go back and read in, in chapter 6 of Judges. But uh, Gideon says, hey, listen, will you stay here? for a couple of minutes, for a little bit. I want to go cook something up and bring you something to eat. So he goes home, and he cooks a, a young goat and some bread, and he comes back. Let's pick it up in verse 20. The angel of God said to him, Place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. So he's got this meat, this young goat, and, and this bread, and he pours the broth over the meat and the bread. Now, Generally, if you put water on something, it reduces the ability for it to burn, right? I mean, if you put gasoline or something on it. But anyway, he pours this broth over the meat. Let's read on. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand, and fire flames up from the rock and consumed all that he brought. And the angel of the Lord disappears. So he touches this thing uh, you know, is incinerated, it's burned up, and then the angel disappears. And so Gideon is still wrestling with this thing. Is this really the Lord? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm just, just checking here, God. I, you know, I'm, uh, uh, so let's read on. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and it burned up. And so Gideon, uh, Gideon there's more. And, and I won't read all the scripture, but basically he's told, Gideon is told to tear down his father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. So wait a minute. Gideon is having this encounter with the Lord, or the Lord's angel, and uh, he's told to go and tear down his, his dad's altar to Baal. Why would his dad, why would they have an altar to this pagan god? Why would they have these Asherah poles? So Baal was a pagan god that these other tribes worshipped, and an Asherah pole, or Asherah, was Baal, believed to be Baal's female wife or, or counterpart, and, and, you know, another goddess, a, a god, a goddess. And the Canaanites worshipped many gods and idols. They even had temple prostitutes, 
and child sacrifices were part of their worship. These were evil things that they were doing. They were not worshiping the true God, but they were serving and worshiping these pagan gods and idols and doing these terrible things that were very against what God had told them to do. And so, anyway, Gideon goes and he tears down the altar and he cuts down the Asherah pole. And uh, that was pretty brave of him. He had some guys go with him. He went at night. He says, hey, let's sneak over here at night and do this while we can't be seen. But he did it. And the next morning, they wake up and they see what's happened. They're like, who did this? Well, they find out it was Gideon and they were not happy about it. And so anyway, he, you know, he was pretty bold in that. He could have been killed. He could have been beaten or, or killed. But not only was this happening uh, where, where Gideon was being challenged with these things, we, we think that being a hero is just at the end, right, when, when we go and get the victory. But when we look at these heroes' lives, they had to go through some things, and, and so he's having to do these things. He's tearing down these, these altars to Baal, uh, Baal and, uh, and the opposing armies are gathering. The, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and, and all these people were gathering for battle. So let me, let me give you my third point. What is the Lord calling you to? And what will you do I mean, and, and will you do what he's asking of you? What is, the, what is the Lord calling you to, and will you do what he's asking of you? Because we can go back and, and look at the story just so far, and we see how Gideon is being challenged. So Gideon calls, uh, he sees these armies gathering, and he calls um, armies from the different tribes to go and fight with them. Let's, let's look at verse 34 in Judges 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon, and he blew a ram's horn, as to call to arms, and the men of the clans of Abizer came to him. So it says the spirit of the Lord took possession of him. Uh, some translations say the, the spirit of the Lord covered him or clothed him. Remember the story where I had this encounter and, these, and I saw these two angels? All of a sudden, there was a boldness in me. And I think that that's what happened with Gideon. All of a sudden, he gets this, this encouragement and this boldness from the Lord. Let's look at verse 35. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, and Nephali, summoning their warriors and all of them to respond. Then Gideon said to God, If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you've promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight, if the, if the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you're going to help me rescue Israel as you have promised. The thing that kind of catches my eye about the scripture, a couple of things, is one, as you have promised. So I see some trepidation, but I also see that Gideon is saying, hey, you promised this, but, but would, you, would you just prove yourself one more time? <laughs> Uh, burning up the meat and the bread and the broth, you know, that got my attention. But one more thing, God, can, can, can you just prove yourself? Are we ever like that? Do, do we have this relationship with Jesus when he says go, that we go? Or do we, well, God, you know, I, I, need you to, I need you to prove myself. And there are times, you know, let me have a Tom moment here, transparent, authentic, and honest. When God called us to start Life Fellowship, 
I said, God, I, I need to know that I know that I know that I know that I know that it's you. And we fasted and prayed for a number of months. And it was clear that God was calling us to do this. So, but, so, you know, asking the Lord to prove himself is not necessarily wrong. But, you know, how many times does he need to show up and prove himself to us before we get off high center and move on? So, anyway, and, and so that's what happened. When Gideon got up, Early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to the Lord, Please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test, and this time let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it was wet with dew. So that night, Gideon does, so that night, God does, as Gideon asked, the fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. Keep in mind, the opposing armies are right there in their midst. And he's got all this going on. So the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors in verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 2. So Gideon has 32,000 warriors with him. He's going up against 135,000 thousand warriors <laughs> and the Lord says okay you've got too many warriors Gideon so let's look at uh, verse 2 continues if I let all of you fight the Midianites the Israelites will boast to me that they save themselves by their own strength therefore tell the people whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home so 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Are you sure? No, you don't have to be afraid. Come on. No, you don't have to. No, 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 not, not you, Bob. Jim, no, no. Uh, don't you want to stay? I mean, hey, we're going to have some fun today. So 22,000 of them leave. So he's got 10,000 left with him. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. <laughs> Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. The one, uh, in one group, put all those who cup the water in their hands and lap it with their tongues like dogs. So you can imagine that they got the water, and they were licking, licking the water out of their hands, right? Um, in the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. So these other guys were laying down. I would envision they were drinking the water from the stream. And then he says, only 300 of the men who drank with their hands. Well, let me see. Oh, okay. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths from the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send the others home. Wait a minute, God. I think you meant send the 300 home, right, and keep the 9,700. And he's saying, no. You send the 9,700 home. And with these 300, you will see the victory. So there's, there's a lot more to this story that uh, we'll look at next week. But here's, here's the point is God has called Gideon. And even though there's some trepidation and some resistance and a little bit of, uh, you know, going back and forth with Gideon, Gideon does obey. 
So my three points this morning are, it's God's power working through someone's life that makes them a godly hero. My second point is when God sins, he, in, he empowers us. And my third point is, what is the Lord calling you to? Will you do what he's asking of you? That's the key. If, what is God empowering you to, to do? What is God calling you to do? Men, maybe it's to be a good husband and really love your wife and set the example. Be a good dad. Maybe uh, he's calling you moms to just be the mom to support your children that they need. Maybe he's calling you to be a little bolder and reach out to your neighbors who don't have a relationship with Jesus and, and share your story with them. Share the hope and the love of Christ with them. Maybe it's to to pick up the phone and call when the Holy Spirit's prompting you to call somebody and encourage them. Maybe it's just simply stopping at the store and smiling at someone or giving them a hug. Because what we find is that God was calling Gideon a hero when he was just doing the menial, everyday task. And God is looking for everyday people who will just love him and, and love others. What if, what if God's perspective of a hero is you just doing what God's asked you to do? I'd like for us to, if you would, stand and let's, let's recite this, this blessing. Uh, the Lord told Moses to tell Aaron to bless the people with this blessing. So if you'd recite this with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Lord God, I thank you for this wonderful family. I thank you for everyone here today and even those watching online, Lord. And, and we just pray your blessings over us. And we pray that we would fulfill the mission and the vision and the calling uh, that you called us to. But more importantly than what you've called us to do, you called us to be in relationship with you. And that's the primary thing. That is the, the thing that is the most important is this relationship. And then as you work through our lives, then as we're just going through our daily task, you're, you're touching us and through touching us, you're touching other people. So Lord, I just pray your blessings over everyone here today and pray that you would go with us through this week and that we would make a difference in the world as we choose to follow you and as we choose to make a difference impacting the world around us by going out and, and choosing to live it. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The prayer team will be up here if you have prayer requests. Love to pray with you, and I hope you have a great week. And I know God is calling you to be a hero. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week, and remember to... Live it! God bless you.